2 Corinthians chapter 10, verse 3. 2 Corinthians chapter 10, verse 3. A lot of y'all have been with me through these weeks. I've been, I've been preaching a whole series of sermons. It's actually been seven weeks of this preaching, on and off. I know we've had, I was off one Sunday out, out, on, uh, out on vacation, but the first sermon I preached was on war, just that we're in a war, the Christians at war, and we need to recognize our enemy, and our enemy is the world, the devil, and ourselves. And uh, we, I preached a sermon on equip yourself for the war, that's the whole armor of God, and I preached a sermon on boot camp, how every, every person that's enlisted into an army, they go through a boot camp, and that's called putting off the old man and putting on the new man. And then I, I preached a sermon on the soldier's walk, how a soldier has to conduct himself a certain way and has a way he should walk and carry himself. And I preached a sermon on that, and I preached a sermon on the soldier's duty, which the soldier's duty is to crucify his life. You're supposed to live a crucified life. You're supposed to stop thinking about yourself, and you're supposed to kill yourself in the flesh, and not necessarily harm yourself, but you're supposed to reckon yourself to be dead, and now you got a new life, a new life in Jesus Christ. And that's called living the crucified life. The Lord Jesus Christ told us to uh, uh, pick up your cross daily and follow me. Deny thyself and follow me. So that's a, a soldier's duty. And another a soldier's duty, I preached another sermon on soldier's duty, is to yield and to serve. You should be yielding and serving. A soldier's duty is to follow commands. That's his whole duty. If, 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 the, if your general says you run into that that fire and you run into that and you, there's fire and people are shooting at you, you run in there and that's what you're supposed to do. Even if you don't want to do it, you do it. You're supposed to yield and you're supposed to serve. And that's what a soldier's duty is. And then I preached last Sunday, I preached about the weapons of our warfare. And we have weapons in this war. And they're, they're, they're no kind of weapons people think of. The weapons we have, one, the first weapon I, I preached on was a weapon of rejoicing. We rejoice in infirmities. We rejoice in things that happen to us. And the second weapon we found out was a weapon of resisting. We just resist the devil, resist the flesh, and we humble ourselves down. And then the last weapon, the most powerful weapon every Christian has is, is a weapon of love and charity. That's a weapon. And I showed you in Romans 12 where Paul says you'll heap coals of fire on their head, you know, just, just being kind to somebody. That, that's a powerful weapon. See how the Christian life is an oxymoron. It's not, you're not living it. Jesus Christ is living it for you. So that's where we were last Sunday, and I want to finish. This should be, Lord willing, the last sermon I'm going to preach on this. And I hope you got a blessing out of it. I hope it's helped you to grow in the Lord. I know it's helped me. But in 2 Corinthians chapter 10, 2 Corinthians chapter 10, verse 3. For though we walk in the flesh, we do not war after the flesh. For the weapons of our warfare are not carnal. They're not a sword or a gun or a fist, but mighty through God, to the pulling down of strongholds. And I preached on those verses last Sunday. But verse 5, I want to focus on verse 5 this morning. Casting down imaginations and every high thing that exalteth itself against the knowledge of God and bringing into captivity every thought to the obedience of Christ. Guys, you're going to, you're, your battlefield as a soldier of Christ is not out here in America. Your battlefield's not running along here in Indian Gap. Your battlefield is right here in your mind. And guys, as every Christian needs to understand this. If you get anything out of all seven of these sermons, this is the eighth one. If you get anything out of this, I want you to get this one this morning is. You've got a battle going on, and it's going on right here. Your greatest enemy is not the devil. It's not the world. It's you. And it's right up here. And it starts right up here. And that's what Paul's talking about here in verse, verse 5, casting down imaginations. So Paul says, casting down imaginations. The soldier's mind is his battlefield no matter... Where the enemy is or what the enemy is doing to you, the mind can conquer the hate, it can conquer the pain, and it can conquer the sin. Your mind is a powerful thing. You can do all things through Christ which strengthens me. You can do anything you believe. It's, uh, the, the power of the mind is amazing, but it's also very, very wicked. Your mind is very, very wicked, and you are what you think. You are what you think. Do you realize that all your sins are starting in your mind? Amen. All sin starts right up here. It starts with a thought. 
It start, every sin starts with a thought, and sin, it germinates in your mind. You think about this stuff, and you dwell on this stuff, and you think about it, and then it comes out of you. It manifests out of you, and, and, and hate, and strife, and maybe adultery, or whatever sin it might be. It, it, but it started right up here. If you think about it, it all started right up here with a thought. And, 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 and our thoughts can get a hold of us, and, and Paul's warning us here. Your mind is a, your mind is a dangerous monstrous beast it is your mind can turn on you my mind is turned on me I've had my mind turn on me and some of the worst times it could have turned on my mind turned on me and I've had a psychologist tell me one time I was talking to a, a friend of mine that's a psychologist he told me you gotta you gotta just push out the bad thoughts and put in the the good thoughts well it don't work that way but it but it does it does have some Christian principles to that. And I'm going to show you out of the Bible how you can fight this. But your mind is a dangerous, monstrous beast. Your mind can convince you that there's something to be afraid of. You see this in kids. Kids get afraid of something they think is underneath, under, in the closet. Or they get afraid of something that's underneath the bed. And when, that, kid, when that, mind, that, that mind of that kid is convinced of that, that kid is terrified. You ever heard of someone being afraid of their shadow? I've seen a kid that's. I've seen a kid that was literally. She was afraid of her shadow. No, she was literally. She was like, oh, oh, and she saw it. It's like, oh, oh, and she just was running and terrified of her own shadow. That's that's how dangerous your mind is. Your mind is very very dangerous. A person can have a beautiful appearance on the outside, and they can look so beautiful and look so put together and look so so nice and kind and gentle. But on the inside, in their mind, they can be dangerous and vile and nasty and filthy. And usually you see it manifest out right here in the mouth. Jesus Christ says, out of abundance of a man's heart, his mouth speaketh. So usually if you're around somebody long enough, their mouth will give away what's going on in their mind and in their heart. It'll give away whatever filthiness is in there and you see it come out in jokes you see it come out in the way they talk you see it in the way they they care and the things they say it comes out and they might look perfect they might look beautiful they might look handsome but their their mind is filthy and nasty a person can hide and conceal their mind you can hide and conceal your mind from your friends from your co-workers even from your very spouse and it's the most dangerous rotten nasty thing you have is your mind if you think back in your life and some of the sins you've did, and we all can, can, can confess some of this stuff, we're not doing it openly, but we can all think in our mind, oh, I've done this stuff. If you think about it, it all started right up here. So Paul says that we have, a, we have our warfare, and it's, a, it's not against the flesh, it's carnal. In verse 5, it says, casting down imaginations. You get these thoughts and these sinful thoughts, they start coming up in your mind. You've got to take them, guys. You've got to take them. You've got to just cast them down, man. You've got to say, I don't want to have nothing to do with that. You've got to fight it. You can't dwell on it. You can't let that thing start just dwelling on it and dwelling on it and dwelling. That's where jealousy really rages. Jealousy starts in the mind and jealousy rages in the mind. Jealousy gets in there where you're convinced he or she's doing something against you or to you or, or with somebody else. And it just, it starts, it, that's in the mind, guys. That's where all that starts, right there in the mind. you got to cast down imaginations. It's your imaginations. It's, you can imagine something far worse than it actually is. We all know that. Your imagination can take something that's just a little bit of a, a grain of mustard seed. It can make it in a mountain, a molehill. You can make a molehill into a mountain. Just your imagination can do stuff like that to you. And your mind can drive you completely crazy. Casting down imaginations. God said in Genesis chapter 6, before he brought the flood, he said about man, he said, God saw the wickedness of man was great in the earth, and it said that God said that every imagination of the thoughts of his heart was only evil continually. That's his imagination. God says, look at them. They, they imagine evil continually in, in their heart and in their mind. That sounds like America 2018. You turn on the TV, and that's all you see is just evil and evil and evil imaginations. Where do they come up with this? They have to sit around thinking about how to be so evil. But it's starting right up here. Casting down imaginations and looking every high thing that exalted itself against the knowledge of God and bringing into captivity every thought to the obedience of Christ. 
You've got to do, we've established beyond shadow of a doubt that a Christian is at war. You can look at verse 3 if you doubt it. You are at war. And if you're at war, every war has POWs. In other words, you've got prisoners of war. You've got people that you've captured of war. And what you've got to do is you've got to capture these evil thoughts, capture, the, capture these thoughts that are not right, and you've got to make them POWs for the Lord Jesus Christ. You've got to capture them and make them POWs for the Lord Jesus Christ. You have that thought coming in your head, you've got to capture it, and you say, I don't want no part of it. You've got to capture it, and you've got to throw it down, you've got to cast that thing down, and you've got to capture it. And you know what, guys? When you capture it, you better guard it because it'll get free and start right back up again. Now, I'm telling you all this, and it's real quiet in here because everybody knows I'm telling the truth. Amen. Your mind is crazy, and your mind can do crazy things to you. But I've got some good news for you this morning. I'm going to show you out of the Word of God how we can defeat this. I'm not go- I-, I-, I know I'm real bad about stomping on your toes because t- the Bible's like that. Amen? I mean, I'm just reading the Bible. But the Bible also, the, Lord of God, the Word of God also gives us some things we can do to keep our mind, to make it sound, to make it strong, and to defeat this thing. We can win this war. I don't care where you're at, what kind of pain or sorrow, where you're at. The Lord can take your mind and he can put it in a different place. And make it, make your play, it can make your world wonderful. I visited a, a girl there that was in jail, and she, she came to the, she was on the other side of the glass, and she was in there for something she didn't believe she did, and she was being accused of all this wicked stuff, and she came to the glass, and she picked up that phone on the other side of the glass, and she was smiling, and she got on the phone, and she was so happy, and she was talking about the Lord Jesus Christ, and I told her, you know what's, what's crazy is, is you're on the other side of this glass in prison, and you're, you've got joy and happiness that the people on this other side side of the glass that was in the waiting room just don't have you know what the difference was she was close to the Lord Jesus Christ the Lord Jesus Christ had came in and worked on her heart and worked on her mind and even though she was in prison she was finding a way to have peace and joy and happiness it doesn't have anything to do with the state of being or where your body's at it has to do where your mind's at see and then I've talked to her later on and she's been down in the dumps Got away from the Lord, got messing around with stuff. She's still in prison. And then the next time I talk to her, she's up on the mountain again. It's all in the mind. Her physical place has not changed. It's her mind has been changed. Casting down imaginations, every high thing that exalts itself against the knowledge of God and bringing into captivity every thought to the obedience of Christ. You've got to make them POWs. Let's start in Proverbs chapter 21, please. Proverbs chapter 21, and I'm going to show you one more thing. Proverbs chapter 21. Yeah, you've got to make those thoughts POWs. You've got to capture them, and you've got to guard them. They'll try to escape. Boy, when you have those evil thoughts come into your mind, man, you just got to take them and cast them down. That's the only thing you can do. That's the only thing you should do. Don't let them dwell. Don't dwell on them. Don't, let them, don't work on them. Don't let them stay in there. My wife, she, my poor wife being married to me, I get all kinds of negative. I'm by heart a negative guy. I mean, I'm a cynical guy. I believe in Murphy's Law. If something bad can happen, it's going to happen. I mean, I really believe in Murphy's Law. And I'm real negative. And sometimes I get to looking at the world or something on TV sets me off or something, on the, something sets me off. And I'll get to ranting and raving. You know, it's bad enough I preach up here, right? But she has to hear it sometimes at home, you know. <laughs> And I've had her, and she, I'll be, rah, 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 just motor mouth, motor mouth, motor mouth. And she'll say to me, change the channel, change the channel, change the channel. Hey, amen, brother. What that means is shut up and change the subject. Shut up. That's her nice way of saying shut your mouth and let's talk about something else. In other words, if your channel's on some kind of filthy, nasty filth, you pick up the remote control and you change the channel in your mind and you put it on something that's supposed to be on. God, the Lord, peaceful stop stuff. Proverbs chapter 21, verse 27. Proverbs chapter 21, verse 27. Here the word of God says, The sacrifice of the wicked is abomination. How much more when he bringeth it with a wicked mind? How much more when he bringeth it with a wicked mind? God doesn't want you coming to church 
God doesn't want you to come to church with a wicked heart, with a wicked mind. He doesn't want you doing things for him with a wicked heart and wicked mind. See, we get, in this, we, get in this, we get into this rut and this routine where we think, as long as I'm going to church, as long as I'm, as long as I'm reading my Bible a little bit, as long as, I'm, as long as I'm doing these things, that on the outward, they appear very religious. Right? They're very, very religious. God doesn't want religion. God's not in the religion business. God's in the relationship business. He wants you right with Him. He doesn't want you... Look, the sacrifice of the wicked is abomination. There's people that are wicked, wicked as hell, that do things for the church. Amen. Amen. They're wicked. They're wicked going straight to hell, and they're doing things for the church. Giving lots of money to the church. Coming into the church. Because to them, they enjoy the social part of it. They enjoy to think... They don't want to have a relationship with God. They just like the social part of it. Uh, My friend Joe that was in that Mexican church... Uh, that was all, uh, uh, I can't remember the name of the church, but he had a, a Mexican drug dealer that sold lots and lots of drugs. He was coming into the church and he was dropping fifteen to $2,000 in the plate every Sunday. This drug dealer was. Because this drug dealer thought, and, you know, I can go out and I can live wickedly, I can sell drugs, I can do all these wicked things, but as long as I'm giving $2,000 to the, to the church, to God's work, then God will be happy with me. That's an abomination to God. He don't get it. You see what I'm saying? You see what the Word of God's telling you? This sacrifice of the wicked is abomination. But notice what? Notice though, how much more when he bringeth it with the wicked mind? You come in here with a suit on, with a tie on. You can come in looking right. You can be doing things for God. But if you have a wicked mind, God's not happy with you. Look, you know, read your Bible. These illustrations are all through the Bible. Saul does everything God wants him to do, but he, he doesn't do one thing God doesn't want him to do. And God told you, I want, I want you to destroy all these people. Don't, don't, don't save nothing of them. Well, God, well, Saul saved some sheep. He saved, he saved some of the people. God told him to kill them. Well, here comes Samuel. Samuel shows up, and, and Samuel says, what are you doing? And Saul had sacrificed those sheep. He said, well, I'm sacrificing these sheep for the Lord. I'm sacrificing these sheep for the Lord. And Samuel said, you know what? God's going to take your kingdom from you, from you and give it to another. And Samuel, Saul was took back. He couldn't believe it. And what Samuel said is so important, guys. Listen, he said, it's better to obey than to sacrifice. Amen. To obey is better than sacrifice. God just wants you to obey. And it starts right up here. It starts up here. I'd rather you be obeying the Lord and not coming to church than coming to church and not obeying the Lord. It's about a relationship with the Jesus Christ. Now, I say this stuff, and y'all know how important I think the church is. You know how important it is to come to church. I, I, I can't put you, tell you it's, it's, it's that important, but I'd rather you be at home, right with the Lord in your mind and in your heart, having a great relationship with the Lord, than to be coming to church and not be right with God. That's how I feel about it. I know that's how the Lord feels about it because that's what he says in the scripture. Now, now that I've kind of stomped on your toes a little bit, let's look at the mind and how we can solve these problems. Look at Proverbs 16. Let's start. Let's start. How to win. Now, I'm going to give you how to win on the battlefield of your mind. I'm going to give you these these, these advice, the scriptures, and God's going to show us how we can win on the battlefield of your mind. Because we know now it's not enough to know that we have a battle going on in our mind. We all know that. I think we all can attest that we do have a battle going on in our mind, but we need to now know how to win this battle. And I preached all these sermons to get to this. I did. I preached all these sermons to get to these verses right here because I think if I can help you through the Scripture to win these battles going on in your mind, we'll be a lot better church. You'll be a lot better Christian. You'll do a whole lot more for the Lord. Because I know what's going on. Because I lived it. I've lived it for years and years and years. It, 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 you can get into a routine. You can even get into a routine of coming to church. You can get into a routine of reading your Bible. You can get into a routine of praying a certain way. You can get into a routine of, of saying certain things that, oh, love, I love the Lord, or singing. You can get into these routines, and I don't want you in a routine. I want you in a relationship. I want you in a relationship with the Lord Jesus Christ. And you can be in these routines, and your mind can be a million miles away. Amen. Guys, I've been there. I've been in the pew where you're sitting. I've been in church listening to preaching and my mind be a thousand miles away. I might be thinking about the Dallas Cowboys. I wonder what the score is. I mean, there's no telling. My mind's a million miles away. I want your mind to be on God. 
And I want to show you how if you can put your mind on God, you can do some powerful things for the Lord. Look at Proverbs 16.3. Let's look at the first one. Commit, commit thy works unto the Lord, and thy thoughts shall be established. Amen. Amen. That's a great truth right there. You just need to commit your works unto the Lord. Just do work for the Lord, and He'll keep your mind. Now, you might say out there, well, what's the work, Brother Keegan? I don't know what that work is. I don't know what that work is. I know, uh, I know, a, work, I know a work can be uh, coming to church. I know a work can be reading your Bible. I know a work can be helping the poor. I don't know what the work is in your life. I don't know what you and the Lord have worked out. You and the Lord have your own, you have your own work. I have my own work, obviously, right? You're not doing the work I'm doing. You're doing your own work. But you've got work to do. But the Lord says, if you'll commit thy works unto the Lord... And thy thoughts shall be established. Amen. Now, it doesn't necessarily be work for the Lord. It could be your work at work. If you could be at work and say, you know what? I'm not working for this boss. I'm not working for this company. I'm working for the Lord. I know the Lord Jesus Christ is watching me when I'm working or whatever work I'm doing. And I'm going to do a good job for him. Amen. I'm not going to steal this from my company and take it home because I know the Lord's watching me. I'm going to do this for him. I'm not going to steal for him. I'm not going to take that money. Whatever it is. See, that's a, when you're at work and you're working for the Lord, it changes your whole attitude. Amen. It does change your whole attitude. You just need to commit thy works unto the Lord and thy thoughts. Look at the promise. And thy thoughts shall be established. My work might not be your work, but whatever it is, just find, find a work. Let's look at Isaiah 26. Isaiah 26. Let's go to the next one. I had these memorized. When I was way down in a pit, I memorized these. And I memorized Isaiah 26.3. Isaiah chapter 26. I memorized these because my mind was turning on me. Man, I was going crazy. I was going nuts. I had a, a friend of mine come to me and he said, you need to do this and you need to do that. And I said, you know what? You can take me and you can put me way over in Japan and I'm not going to be happy. It don't matter where I do or where I go. You need to go on vacation. I don't care. I'm not happy. My mind is not settled. My mind is, my heart is broken. Uh, my mind is not settled and, and I'm not happy and I'm depressed. And I didn't know what the word depression meant. I thought I knew what depression meant, but I didn't know until I got into the depth and depth and then the pit of depression. And I found out. And what was going on with the depression was, is it wasn't, my life was the same. I had the same job. I had, everything was the same. But what was going on was my mind was turning on me. And I had been convinced, I'd convinced myself in my mind that I could not live without the, the woman that I had married. When I went through my divorce, I had convinced myself there's no way I could live that life was over, that things weren't going to be the same, that I couldn't keep the church, I couldn't do nothing for the Lord, and I, couldn't do, and I knew all the truth. I knew what the Lord had called me, I knew, but my mind had turned on me. And as my mind started turning on me, I turned to the Scriptures. That's where you need to go. And as my mind started turning on me, I started turning to the Scriptures. And I remember one time I was at my house, and I was all alone, and I was depressed and sad, and I was reading through the book of Psalms. That's a good one to read. When you're going through a lot, just go to the book of Psalms and read. And I remember reading through the book of Psalms. And I could take you to the, I'm not going to, but I could take you to the chapter. I could take you to the verses. And when I was reading through there, man, I, tears just, I started just weeping uncontrollably. And the Lord started just touching my heart. And it was, I just was weeping uncontrollably. And now, years later, now that I've got my mind straight and I've gotten right with the Lord and all that, and I go back to those scriptures and I can read it and it doesn't do nothing for me. I just read right over it and. And I'll read it again, and I'll say, I remembered that touching me. And I'll read it again. It's, it, it's not for me right now. It's not for me right now. But there's other scripture for me in this book for me right now. See, this book is for every walk of your life. If you're five years old or 100 years old. There's things that are gonna, that's going to be important to Sister Alice in her Bible that are not important to me right now. But when I get to her age, and Lord willing, Lord, I can come back, they'll be important to me. This Bible is just a manual. You've you got to stay in it, though. But look at Isaiah chapter 26. Isaiah chapter 26, verse 3. And this is the verse that really meant a lot to me back then. Thou will keep him in perfect peace, whose mind is stayed on thee, because he trusteth in thee. Some of these verses you say, well, that's a simple verse. Oh, it's so profound. It's the simple verses that are so profound. That will keep him in perfect peace whose mind 
is stayed on thee. Talking about the Lord, because he trusteth in thee. Trust ye in the Lord forever, for in the Lord Jehovah is everlasting strength. See, it's a trusting in the Lord. But it's keeping your mind on the Lord. And I realized, what, how do you keep, how is somebody always on your mind? How do you keep somebody always on your mind? And, and the way I found out for me personally, it might be different for you, for me personally, is through communication. It's communication. I've got to be talking to them. I've got to be talking to them on the phone every week, or they've got to be writing me, emailing me. I have friends, uh, pastor friends, they don't, they don't talk to me for eight months, and they'll email me, and I'll think, whoa, I forgot all about them. I mean, I didn't forget them, but I wasn't thinking about them. But I've got pastor friends, they email me once a week, they email me, they text me, they call me. And you know who I think about all the time? <laughs> Those guys that are emailing me and texting me and communicating with me on a regular basis. So to keep the Lord on your mind, you've got to be communicating with him. You communicate with the Lord through prayer. It's real simple, isn't it? These things are so simple. It's a little child can understand this stuff, but we don't do it. We don't do this stuff. If you want to stay at peace with the Lord, you want to have that will keep him in perfect peace whose mind is stayed on thee because he trusteth thee, you need to be praying to the Lord and talking to the Lord all day long. And when you get down in a pit and things are going bad in your life, you get a good relationship with the Lord Jesus Christ. You really do. The, be the best prayer life you can get is when you get knocked down and put in a hospital or something. Man, your prayer life really increases. But when you're living high on the hog and things are going, everything's going right, and you've got money in your back pocket and your health is good and everything, you tend not to talk to the Lord as much. Oh, you might be going to church and you might be doing those, but you don't talk to the Lord. You don't communicate with the Lord. But boy, when things are going bad in your life, you tend to be talking to the Lord all the time. That will keep him in perfect peace, whose mind is stayed on thee, because he trusteth in thee. Amen. It's a trust, guys. It's a trust. It's a communication. It's just talking to the Lord all day long. It's listening to the Lord. It's just talking to him, telling him about stuff, talking to him in the car, talking to him at work, talking to him in the shower, talking to him when you get up, just talking to him. Talk to him like he's right there with you because you know what? He is right there with you. And you've got to trust in what he's doing. And sometimes it's hard to trust in what he's doing to you. But you've got to trust. You've got to put your faith in him. You've got to put your trust in him. And he'll give you peace. Philippians chapter 2. Let's look at another one of these. We're going to go through the New Testament now. Philippians chapter 2. How do I win this uh, battlefield of my mind? Well, you got to do, put, you start doing works for the Lord. And when you do your works for the Lord, the Lord will keep your mind. The Bible has a whole lot to say about the mind. I just can't preach it all. I mean, we'd be here for, you know, six days. But if you ever read it, you ever read stuff, it'll say that, when Jesus Christ healed that man that had the demon, was demon-possessed, the Bible says that when they saw him again, he was clothed and in his right mind. He was clothed and in his right mind. We're turning to Philippians chapter 2, verse 2. Philippians chapter 2, verse 2. It says about, I just turned to this, I just was thinking about this, I just turned to this, but in, with the prodigal son, when the prodigal son was down in the dumps, when he was as far as he could go, it said, it said that uh, he, he would fain have filled his belly with the husk that the swine did eat, and no man gave it himself. It said, and when he came to himself, when he came to himself, he said, how many hired servants of my fathers have bread enough to spare it? I perish with hunger. I will arise and go to my father." The Bible says he came to himself. So that's a mind thing. That's a mind thing. He wasn't with himself. He was way off over here. And all of a sudden, he's in his right mind. He came, came to himself. See, this, all this stuff goes back to your mind. Look at Philippians chapter 2, though. Look at Philippians chapter 2, verse 2. Fulfill ye my joy, that ye be like-minded, having the same love, being of one accord, of one mind. That's what a church is supposed to be like. A church is supposed to be like-minded. We're supposed to have one mind, and I believe this church has a mind for Jesus Christ. 
And we, don't, we don't agree on every single thing, right? We're, we have different personalities, but we have the same mind when it comes to our Lord Jesus Christ. We want Jesus Christ glorified and lifted up. It's all about Jesus Christ. It's all about preaching the Word of God. And be like-minded of one mind. Verse 3, let nothing be done through strife or vainglory, but in lowliness of mind. Let each esteem other better than themselves. Look not every man on his own things, but every man also on the things of others. Guys, uh, one of the most important ways you can keep your mind and win this battle is to have a humble mind. And having a humble mind and having a mind that is on other people. The worst thing you can do is to get self-minded. You start worrying about yourself continuously. Because you turn in, you have a, self, you have a pity party, you start getting self-conscious, you start get, you, and you need to turn and put your mind on other people. Look, look. Be in lowliness of mind, let each, end of verse 3, let each esteem other better than themselves. <laughs> Ooh, that's hard to do. Amen. Hey, Brother Raymond, you're better than me. Uh, I'm supposed to think that way. You're better than me, Brother Ron. It's so hard for a man to think that way. I, I'm not talking to you ladies, I'm talking to you men. It's hard for us men to think that way. If there's one thing a man has is pride. And we get competitive about everything. And it's hard for us to admit somebody's better at something than we are. But we're supposed to be Esteem other better than ourselves. In other words, we're supposed to say, you know what? It doesn't matter what I need. It wor I'm worried about what they need. Amen. That's a Christian. That's a lowliness of mind. That's somebody who has a mind that God's going to keep and God's going to keep it. And he's going to keep it safe. And he's going to give it peace. Look at verse 4. Look not every man on his own things, but every man also on the things of others. See, it's, we, we do that. It's obvious you're going to look on your own things, but you need to be caring about other people. Paul says this in another place. If, if, if one of us hurts, we all hurt. If one of us is, is in pain, we should all be in pain. If one of us is happy, we should all be happy. We should not be just looking inward on ourselves and saying, okay, what about me? How about me? We say, well, I'm worried about them, and I want the best for them. It's an outward. You're taking your mind and it's turning, turning your mind on itself and going crazy. You take your mind and you turn it on other people and you start serving other people. See, this is the total opposite of what the world will tell you. The world will tell you you need to think about yourself. I think I can, I think I can, I know I can, I know I can. And that's what the world tells you. The world tells you, turn on yourself, think about yourself. It's all about self-esteem. You're important. You do this. And the Bible says you're not important. You're not anything. You need to look on other people. Amen. Christianity is about, not about us. Christianity is about others. Amen. And look at what the Bible says here. Y'all got to comprehend what the Word of God is telling you right here. Let this mind be in you which was also in Christ Jesus. Guys, read this with me. Who, being in the form of God, thought it not robbery to be equal with God. Now, this, what that says is, is Jesus Christ was God manifest in the flesh. He's God walking among us. That's what that verse tells you right there. And we know from other scriptures that Jesus was God walking among us. Now think about that. He's not a king. He's a king of kings. He's, we're not talking about somebody who's rich. He's richer than rich. We're not talking about somebody who's smart. He's smarter than smart. He's God. But notice, verse 7, but made himself of no reputation. He could have been born to any woman in any castle, in any mansion, but he picked to be born to Mary in a manger. That's what he chose to do to a carpenter. He could, have be cho he could have chose to be born to a king. He, he chose a carpenter, a, a lowly girl named Mary. He picked this. He picked this. He made himself of no reputation. And look, and took upon him the form of a servant. Jesus didn't walk around expecting people to serve him. Jesus walked around serving others. He went around healing and doing what he could for other people. That's Jesus Christ. That's God manifest in the flesh. Guys, that's the God that loves you and died for you. And God says, I want you to act like me. I want you to do things for other people. 
Stop thinking about yourself. Jesus says, pick up your cross daily, deny yourself, and follow me. Well, what was he doing? He was helping other people. Jesus wasn't sitting up on a mansion and saying, oh, y'all come to me. Y'all come on to me. Jesus went on among the people. This is God doing this, guys. You say, oh, what do you mean, Brother Keith? When Jesus walks through this crowd, he looks and he goes, okay, this guy was just molesting his daughter. This guy's a murderer. This guy's an adulterer. This guy wants to kill. This guy's a murderer. He knows all the filthy sins of all the people that are right there with him. He's not like me and you. Y'all are good at hiding it. You can't hide it from Jesus Christ. He's God. And it says he knew what was in man's heart. But he was willing to walk among us. He says, I know you're wicked, but I'm going to heal you anyway. That's the God we serve. And I'm trying to get you to understand that he, look at verse 8. And being found in the fashion of a man, he humbled himself. It's a humbleness of mind. And being came obedient unto death, even the death of the cross. See, Jesus Christ was a very humble individual. When you think about where he came from and what he could do, he's very, very humble. And if there's one great power I found in this Bible is the incredible power of humbleness. If you can just learn to be humble of mind and say, you know what? Today, it's not going to be about me. It's going to be about other people. And you'll notice when you get to serving other people, and you'll get to working for other people, and you'll have a servant's heart, and you'll humble yourself down, you'll notice that your mind is not wandering around doing things it shouldn't do. Because you know what happens when you turn on yourself? Your mind says, oh, it's about me. Well, what, what can I do to feed this flesh? What can I do to... And, and that's where sin comes from, see? Sin is, is, sin is just an outward manifestation of the flesh. But when you can turn and say, it's not about me, I, I don't, it's about others. You don't have time to do something for yourself because you're worrying about others. You don't have time to do those sins for yourself because you're doing things for others. That's where your mind will be. You'll get the victory. You'll get the victory. Now look at Philippians chapter 4. Philippians chapter 4. One last one. I've shown you you need to do work for the Lord and keep, He will keep your mind. I've shown you you need to keep your mind on the Lord and His things. I've shown you now that you need to be, stay humble of mind. Now look at Philippians chapter 4 verse 6. Philippians 4, 6. This is Paul writing. He says, uh, be careful for nothing. That means be full of care for nothing. Don't be caring about everything. Don't be so full of care about everything. He says, be careful for nothing. But in everything, by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known unto God. You're just praying to the Lord, asking the Lord, thanking the Lord. Look at thanksgiving. You're thanking the Lord. And look at verse 7. And the peace of God... That's peace of mind, which passeth all understanding, shall keep your hearts and minds through Christ Jesus. Amen. See, there's a formula right there. You're just praying. You're, being, you're not worried about all this other stuff. You're just praying. You're trying to stay close to God. You're thanking God for different things. You're thanking the Lord. And it says that the peace of God, which passeth all understanding, it shall keep your hearts and minds through Christ Jesus. Now, verse 8 is the verse. Verse 8 is the verse. This is the verse that I memorized, and man, I had the hardest time memorizing this one, but I got it finally. And this is the final verse here. Finally, brethren, whatsoever things are true, whatsoever things are honest, whatsoever things are just, whatsoever things are pure, whatsoever things are lovely, whatsoever things are of good report, if there be any virtue, if there be any praise, think on these things. You just need to change the channel and think on other things. When your mind is messing with you and your mind's trying to get depressed or your mind is trying to convince you to do a sin or these thoughts are coming into your mind and you're having trouble with your mind and you're thinking things you shouldn't think and you need to just change the channel and start thinking on the good things. Look, you think on those things that are true. Well, what's true in your life? What's true in your life? I know it's true that my wife loves me. 
I know it's true that Ronnie and Linda are good friends, and I've got some other good friends in this church. I know those things are true. Those are good things to think on. What do you have to think on? That's me. I'm, 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 what are you going to think on? What for you is true? See, every, everybody, every single body, I don't matter if you're married, they have a different truth, right? When it comes to what's true, we know the Word of God is true. Amen. We know that Jesus Christ is the way, the truth. Whatsoever things are honest, well, what's honest? Whatsoever things are just, whatsoever things are pure, whatsoever things are lovely. See, when I, I, I memorized this verse, and I, I, I would repeat this verse, and I got to thinking about this verse, and I'll tell you where I came to, and then you can have your own opinion, but this is where I came through. True, honest, just, pure, lovely, to me, that's a little kid. That's a little bitty kid running around. When you're down in the dumps and your mind is messing with you, you need to start thinking about little kids and get around little kids. Because a little kid is true and honest and just and pure and lovely. I'm talking about the little bitty kid. Some of y'all haven't been able to make it up here on Wednesday nights, but when Heston, little bitty Heston, how old is Heston? Two in August. He's almost two. Little bitty kid. Matthew gets up here to sing, lead the song service. Here comes Heston. Gets his little feet. Well, who's going to tell him to sit down? <laughs> Nobody. Everybody's just beaming from cheeks just because it's lovely and pure and honest. Jesus Christ said it. You can't enter the kingdom unless you come in as a little child. Amen. That, that joy a little child has. Amen. That faith a little child has. They believe in some of the things we wouldn't... That, that, the love a little child has. The acceptance the little child has. See, a little, a little child doesn't see black or white or yellow. A little child, that's just another little kid. A little child has all that purity and that love. And guys, for me, and this is just me, but whenever I've, I've got down and things are really down and my mind is messing with me, I've got to get around some little kids and sit at the park and go to the park and watch the little kids play and see the love and the joy. And you know what we all say as old people? Because I, I think I'm old now. I wish I had their energy. Man, I wish I had that energy. And I wish I had that joy. And everything is new to them. Everything is, is, is fresh to them. You, you can go and show them some little simple magic trick and they think that's the most amazing thing in the world. And you know why I like being an uncle? Because all my little nephews and nieces, they think, I'm, they think I'm King Kong. They think I'm the best thing in the world. Uncle Kiki! And they love me and they hug me. Little child. I do have them full, brother. Because they're little children. See, they don't look at me as being bald and have a big nose and being a wicked brother. They look at me as Uncle Kingan. Listen, that's what you got to think on. You got to think on these things. And that's what Paul's saying. You think on these things. What sort of things are of good rapport? If there be any virtue, if there be any praise, think on these things. I hope that was a blessing to you. I hope that the Lord can use those scriptures for you. And I've got one more set of scriptures I'm going to show you. They're all found in the same place, but this will close out this whole teaching. And it's found in 2 Corinthians. If you go back to 2 Corinthians, I'll show them to you. And then in 2 Corinthians chapter 4, I'll show them to you. And this will kind of sum up everything I've been trying to preach for the last seven, eight weeks. You know, you... You look at the Bible and it has so much to say about our mind. It says, For God hath not given us a spirit of fear, but of power and love and of a sound mind. That's in, first, that's in 2 Timothy chapter 1, verse 6, verse 7. 1 Corinthians chapter 2, verse 6 says, But we have the mind of Christ. Romans 12, 2 says, Be not conformed to the world, but ye be ye transformed by the renewing of your mind. It's a renewing of your mind. And Jesus Christ said in Matthew chapter 22, Jesus said unto him, Thou shalt love the Lord thy God with all thy heart, with all thy soul, and with all thy mind. Amen. That mind is a powerful thing, brothers and sisters. 
And we need to keep it in check. But look at 2 Corinthians chapter 4. Look at verse 10. This is closing. Chapter 4, verse 10. This is closing. I promise you, this is closing. Always. This is sum up everything I've been preaching for about eight weeks. Always bearing about in the body the dying of the Lord Jesus. See, that's living a crucified life. That's picking up your, picking up your cross daily. Look, why do we do that? That the life also of Jesus might be made manifest in our body. I've said it a hundred times. I'll do it one more time. This is the old man. This is the flesh. We want to crucify him. We want to deny him. We want to come over here and we want to live a new man. We want Jesus Christ to live in us. We want people to see Jesus Christ in us. That the life also of Jesus might be made manifest in our body. That's what Paul's telling you. It's all about getting Jesus Christ out. We get saved, Jesus Christ gets in, now we work him out. Amen. I don't want you to see me, I want you to see Jesus Christ. Verse 11, For we which live are always delivered unto death for Jesus' sake, that the life also of Jesus might be made manifest in our mortal flesh. We want the life of Jesus to come out in us. We don't want people to see Kigan. We don't want to see people to see the flesh. We want people to see Jesus Christ, the new man. Verse 16, in closing. For which cause we faint not, but though our outward man perish, and it's doing it every day, yet the inward man is renewed day by day. Amen. We're getting older. We're getting weaker. We're going through trials. We're going through tribulations. But friends... Every day, Jesus Christ is renewed in us every day. Amen. He's never going to die. We know in the flesh we, it's death. But we know in Jesus Christ is eternal life. Amen. Praise the Lord for that. Dear Heavenly Father, Lord, thank you. Lord, thank you for little children. Father, thank you for your love and grace and mercy, Lord. And Father, as I come to you this morning, Lord, if there's somebody underneath the sound of my voice that they're dealing with some, some things in their mind. Lord God, I don't know what it might be, Lord, but you know. And Father, it's a struggle. Father, it's a struggle for them, Lord, and you know it. Father, I pray, Lord, I just pray that you'll speak to the heart the truth, Lord God. And Father, I ask you to give them peace of mind. Father, Lord, I ask you to show up in a mighty way in their life, Lord God, and speak to their heart, Lord. Give them that peace, Father, you promised that passeth all understanding. And Lord, I ask you, Father, if they're willing to humble themselves down to you, Lord God, that you'll exalt them and lift them up. Lord, I pray that you'll fill them with your Holy Spirit, Lord God. And Father, I pray you just cleanse our mind from all the wickedness and evilness that's in it, Lord. And Father, I ask you to renew our mind and help us to live for you day by day, Lord. We can't wait to see you. Lord, we'd love to see you tonight, Lord, if you'd just come back right now and get us out of this wicked world. We'd love to see you. Go up to see you. But Father, if there's somebody that doesn't know Jesus Christ as their Lord and Savior, that doesn't know of a time that they've received Jesus Christ. Father, as we give this invitation, Lord, I'm just praying, Lord, that you'll lay it on their heart and they'll come down here and they'll get saved. And you'll save them from the devil's hell that was never intended for them. Lord, thank you. Thank you for making yourself into flesh in the form of Jesus Christ. And thank you for dying for my sins on the cross of Calvary, Lord. Thank you for shedding that precious, precious blood, Lord. And Father, thank you that when you went away, you left us a book that we might study it and we might read it and it might work effectually in our hearts. We thank you for that. Thank you for your words. And I'm praying this in the name of Jesus Christ. Amen. Hello, friends. This is Pastor Keegan Hall of Indian Gap Baptist Church of Indian Gap, Texas. If you'd like to contact us, you can do it at IndianGapBaptist.com. On the Internet, it's IndianGapBaptist.com. But I have a question for you. If you died tonight... Do you know if you would go to heaven? You know, if you're not sure, let me show you a few verses out of the Bible so you can know if you have eternal life. The Bible says in 1 John chapter 5, verse 13, These things have I written unto you that believe on the name of the Son of God, that you may know that you have eternal life, and that you may believe on the name of the Son of God. So that verse tells us there that you can know you have eternal life. And I want to show you how you can know that. Jesus Christ talked in John chapter 3 verse 16. And most people have heard this verse. 
For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son, that whosoever believeth in him should not perish but have everlasting life. That's an amazing verse, of course, talking about how God gave Jesus Christ as a gift to the world. But verse 17 and 18, he went on to say something interesting. For God sent not his son into the world to condemn the world, but that the world through him might be saved. So the whole reason Jesus Christ came into this world was to save you and to save me and you. But in verse 18, he says something that's amazing. He says that he that believeth on him is not condemned. He's stressing a faith. It's putting your faith into Jesus Christ. But he says there in verse 18, But he that believeth not is condemned already, because he hath not believed in the name of the only begotten Son of God. So he says you're condemned already if you haven't believed in Jesus Christ. It's not like you're going to go to heaven and you're going to stand before God and you're going to have God put your good deeds on the scale and your bad deeds on on the other side of the scale and he's going to weigh it. And if you've been a good enough person down on this earth that he'll let you into heaven. It doesn't work that way. Jesus Christ is real explicit here to say that you're condemned already. You need a Savior right now. Same chapter down in verse 36, it says, He that believeth on the Son hath everlasting life. It goes back to a believe, putting your faith in Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior. But the verse continues, And he that believeth not the Son shall not see life, but the wrath of God abideth on him. See, it's going on right now. You need a Savior right now. You need to be saved from a devil's hell. Paul sums it up real good here in Romans chapter 10, verse 9, That if thou shalt confess with thy mouth the Lord Jesus, and shalt believe in thine heart that God hath raised him from the dead, Thou shalt be saved. It's putting your faith in Jesus Christ from the heart. For with the heart man believeth unto righteousness. And then with the mouth confession is made unto salvation. It's very important to confess Jesus Christ because the mouth shows where the heart's at. And in verse 13 he sums it up. For whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. So friends, as simple as just bowing your head and saying a prayer, something like this. Lord, I know I'm a sinner. I know you died on the cross for my sins. I believe you can came up from the grave and are alive right now listening to me. I invite you into my heart to save me. Please save me, Lord Jesus. Amen. If you prayed something similar to that, we'd love to hear from you. You can contact us at IndianGapBaptist.com. And God bless you. And until next time. Casting all your care. Upon him